Gone are the days of knights and chivalry, and yet that hasn't changed God's vision of you as a man of valor. Today, pornography is a simple mouse click away, and sexual addiction is at an epidemic level. Dr. Mark Laser is an internationally known author and speaker, the leading Christian authority on sexual addiction, and the host of Faithful and True's online radio production, The Men of Valor Program. Here now is Dr. Mark Laser. Welcome to The Men of Valor Program. Uh, it's a beautiful day here in Minnesota, Randy, and uh, we are enjoying uh, summer. And uh, one indication that it's coming to a close is tomorrow, I think, the state fair starts. That's usually a sign, isn't it? There's uh, traditional weather patterns that come in. Uh, it's usually hot and sunny, and uh, which just kind of um, adds to the atmosphere of 100,000-plus people uh, being at the fair every day. Well, for there, for, there are some people here in Minnesota, uh, I guess maybe the vast majority, who look forward to going down there. And then there are those of us that would uh, avoid it like the plague. <laughs> and I'm in that crowd. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I stay away where I'm, uh, I'm safe. Well, I would say with the heat that's generally part of the state fair, yeah. uh, we could, in fact, say that uh, the state fair is the trigger of the week, but uh, let's not go there. Well, we could save it because the people watching is like nowhere, nowhere else. else. Nowhere know? else. Maybe yeah. let's return to that. Okay, we'll, we'll revisit that halfway through the show. Yeah. Uh, what did you have uh, on your mind for our listeners today? Well, you know, as uh, uh, some of our listeners would know, we've been doing a series on books, and I'm not sure exactly that uh, from time to time we'll continue that, but for now... I thought that it would be uh, really helpful to uh, talk about one of the questions around here that keeps coming up all the time. One of the frequently asked the, questions. The most frequently asked questions. And then also to add to it today, I'd like to read some stuff from Psalm 51. I was having a uh, fascinating conversation, as I, as I often do, with one of my clients who uh, I will not identify any more than that, but uh, uh, we were discussing Psalm 51 uh, and uh, some of the interpretation of it that he had was just so profound that I, I thought I would uh, share it with our listeners in terms of uh, the question that I wanted to talk about. Well, that sounds great. We la- always like passing on wisdom. Wisdom, yeah, that's uh, really uh, wisdom where you find it, and so oftentimes, I know I do, I find it in the people that I'm you know, working with. So, uh, But the question that comes up, and those of you that have ever read my uh, first book, Healing the Wounds of Sexual Addiction, know that I, I kind of treat this question in the conclusion of the book. And the, the question is, is there a cure? Is there uh, a final cure for sexual addiction? One of the ways I address this at the uh, men's workshop is that when we think about disease, uh, we think about sickness, we think about uh, any kind of diagnosis, we really think that they fall into two, two different categories of treatment possibilities. The first question in regards to this is, uh, what is, in fact, the purpose of a diagnosis? And the purpose of a diagnosis, obviously, is so that we can come up with a treatment plan. And when it comes up with treatment plans, there are two types of treatment plans. At the moment, I'm dealing with something that I had to be tested as to whether or not I had an infection. Well, it turns out that I don't have an infection, but if I did have an infection, <laughs> the treatment plan would be a, a drug of some si- uh, sort, an antibiotic, that would completely eradicate the infection, hopefully. So there are cures. 
uh, I had gallbladder problems. Well, the treatment plan was to take the gallbladder out. Well, now I don't have a gallbladder, but I don't have gallbladder problems anymore. <laughs> I'm a walking casebook of medical history. Uh, but anyway, then now on the other hand, uh, as I say in the conclusion of uh, uh, Healing the Wounds, I have had for 42 years diabetes, and uh, diabetes is uh, uh, a known disease. There's a known treatment with insulin, but uh, to date, it's not curable. So there are, there are problems, there are diseases, there are diagnoses for which there, there are total cures. You know, you get rid of it. Diabetes and uh, so forth, uh, there are management strategies. Then the question becomes, uh, under which of those two does sex addiction fall? Right. Well, uh, my belief has always been that sex addiction falls under the management strategy. Uh, what would you be curing if you were trying to cure something? And uh, the, the answer there is you would be basically saying that uh, you would be eradicating completely uh, the sex drive in all of us. And God put the sex drive in our brains for the obvious purpose of uh, procreation. Uh, he commanded Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. And as a result of uh, the way he created the brain, we're going to have our sexual instincts, our sexual drives. And if we express those instincts and, des and desires in God's covenant of um, one flesh union marriage, then, you know, we wouldn't want to eradicate that. You know, it's part of uh, that's God's plan. That's God's plan for creation. Right. You know, uh, we we get to become co-creators with God. You know, God knows us since the moment of our conception. So He's the original creator. But you know, as uh, husband and wife, we are to co-create and uh, raise children as God instructs us to do. So now we'll get to Psalm fifty-one here in a minute. But basically, we also know that uh, we are inheritors. Uh, of original sin nature, and part of what we're struggling with on an ongoing way is that our original sin nature is is how we're born. We come into that, and uh, uh, we're not going to get rid of that. So right. we have to manage our original sin nature, and part of that is uh, managing any ways that we cope with our original sin nature. And for us sex addicts, you know, obviously the way that we've done that is through sexual arousal and the neurochemistry of that. So this, you know, answers, I'm, you know, I'm talking about it. Uh, I know at times is just not popular because there are elements of the Christian community out there that definitely feel like you can be delivered from this. Mm -hmm. And I do think that, you know, when I look at, you know, my sobriety, my recovery, could I say that I'm delivered? Well, I haven't, you know, acted out in, you know, all this time, but I, I don't think I'm delivered. You know, I don't think that I'm cured. You're I, looking at 31 plus years of management yeah. rather than cure. Than cure. That's yeah. right. And okay. I've been rather successful at management, but I certainly haven't cured anything. My original sin nature is still intact. I'm still prone to making, you know, uh, sinful choices at times about a variety of things. I'm still guilty at times of not completely trusting God. There's times when I'm still guilty of rebelling against God's commandments, and uh, but I am doing you know much better than I did in my early life, and uh, uh, I'm making a lot healthier choices today than I used to make. But I just don't think uh, that I, if I ever got to the point where I said I'm done, 
you know, then that that would be a problem in itself. Well, doesn't that go hand in hand, though, Mark, with the fact that uh, we're all human? And uh, uh, just as original sin was uh, kind of um, we inherited, if you will, from Adam and Eve, original sin, uh, you never do see, there's never a conclusion to your recovery. Right. There's right. never a, there's no more room for, for purity in my life. I've, I've you know, achieved uh, my gold star. Yeah. Uh, well, in, instead of saying, hey, here I am 31 plus years mm-hmm. into recovery and so far so good. So far so good. Uh, and as an alcoholic would say, <clears throat> I'm only one drink away. That's right. I'm only one drink away. So uh, if I ever thought that I would be done, then I think Satan really has me there. He has right. me involved in complacency. Well, I mean, he's tricked you into that frame yes, of mind. That's right. You know, because God would never want you thinking like that. Yeah. Um, you know, God, I'm sure, uh, watches all of us and appreciates our efforts uh, to try to live a life more like him. That's right. Um, right. And yet he knows better than anybody that we're incapable of it yeah. because we're human. That's right. And that's why our Christian faith tells us that the only way out of this is through uh, our faith in Christ because right. he's the only one who could lead the perfect life and sacrifice himself on the cross you know, for our uh, uh, salvation. And uh, one of the things that surprised me when I returned to looking at Psalm 51 is that salvation is talked about even in the Old Testament. So mm-hmm. it's like there's either an anticipation of what's coming or the fact that uh, King David... Uh, still felt that uh, uh, salvation was only possible through the Lord. That's something that we'll, we're going to read this here in a while. And uh, we'll see that it's only possible if we uh, totally return to God's ways. Well, this is what's always struck me about what you and Greg Miller teach at the Men of Valor Workshop yeah. is when the men come to their acceptance and realization that there's no sin for which God is unwilling to forgive you. Right. When, right. when when we finally get to that point where our eyes are opened uh, to accept that glorious statement right there, right. that can take an anvil of sin off of the shoulders of all of us That's right. when we know that you don't get flippant about it right, you know right but but if uh, instead of having the burden of guilt forever uh once we understand that hey uh give god mm. a chance god's willing to forgive us for these things that's right exactly so uh to summarize uh for now and then we'll turn to the story of king david here in psalm 51 which will obviously take us you know through our break but we need to uh, always keep in front of us, I'm going to return to that thought, the, the idea that we are capable of sin and we need to be on constant guard that uh, we don't stray from God's ways because if we do, uh, we are very vulnerable to the attacks of the evil one. That's the perfect intro for the break right here. Okay. You're listening to Dr. Mark Laser, and this is the Men of Valor program. Do you struggle with the use of pornography? Faithful and True is a Christian-based counseling center specializing in the treatment of sexual addiction and compulsive behavior issues. Our well-trained staff has the highest levels of clinical expertise combined with personal experience 
to understand and effectively treat your sexual addiction. We have a proven track record for helping men who are seeking a transformation in their lives. Our Men of Valor three-day intensive workshops, led by Dr. Mark Laser and Dr. Greg Miller, are the most effective and affordable treatment program in the country. Our workshop alumni rate our workshops as life-changing. We also offer workshops for spouses and couples. If you're ready to make a change in your life and are seeking a treatment program provided by the top Christian experts in the sexual addiction field, visit us today at faithfulandtrue.com to learn more. That's faithfulandtrue.com. Time now for the trigger of the week. Trigger of the week. We we started out in our intro. <laughs> we I don't think. usually start the show with the trigger of the week, but we did today. We did today, and you know it's summertime, and you know we could generally use summertime beaches, more scantily clad people around. And uh, in uh, Minnesota, I think that's true. I don't know. I'm not that you know uh, uh, necessarily uh, proud of our state, and you know all these ways, but. Uh, we, we have what we call the Great Minnesota Get-Together, and that's the state fair. And it's the largest state fair, and there's all kind of, you know, of course it's a uh, eating disorder nightmare <laughs> down there. <laughs> but why we bring it up is that, you know, there are a million or more people that go to this thing, and uh, there are certainly uh, plenty of inappropriately attired uh, uh, people uh and if you walk down the various boulevards there of the state fair, you're going to run into trigger after trigger after trigger. I mean, it is a trigger-rich environment. Not to mention deep-fried any form of food on a stick that you can think of. Well, deep, yeah, deep-fried pickles. I mean, gosh, it's. <laughs> uh, but it, we we yeah, and the two most common addictions that go together in our population are sex addiction and eating disorder. So the state fair is absolutely... Walking, breathing (laughs) exhibit of both of those addictions. Both of those addictions. So uh, those of you that are going, don't let me spoil your enjoyment of the fair. Just be prepared. Just be prepared to uh, have your cell phone with you and uh, make sure you make calls when you need to. And don't forget your Tums. (laughs) That too. (laughs) Let's bring our listeners back today. You were about to share uh, some scripture with us here. Yeah, that's right. And to understand that, and I don't want to take for granted that our listeners just automatically know stories from the Bible, so let me just set this up. King David, you know, the greatest king, the, the one whose uh, line leads to actually the birth of Jesus, you know, God's greatest king, all of that. We also know that uh, he was a man prone to lust, and uh, uh, the story that appears throughout the book of uh, the First and Second Kings and so forth in the uh, Old Testament is that uh, David was walking on his balcony one night, and uh, uh, the palace was on top of a hill, and so he could peer down the hill into the courtyards of uh, various houses, and uh, one night he was there, and he saw that uh, there was a woman whose name is Bathsheba, and she was uh, taking a bath or showering or whatever they did (laughs) in those days, and she was obviously naked there in the courtyard, so he lusted after her, he sent for her, you know, he uh, had sex with her, 
she gets pregnant, uh, and uh, her husband is one of his soldiers, and he's off fighting a war. So he sends for this guy whose name is Uriah the Hittite, and uh, he's hoping uh, that by giving him a leave, you know, he'll come home and basically Uriah meets with David. David says, go, go lay with your wife, and uh, uh, they're going to try to cover up the, the parenthood, the fatherhood of uh, this child. And uh, Uriah, though, is one of those uh, uh, rigidly obedient people, and it's against his military oath to uh, uh, be sexual with his wife while he's in the middle of a uh, warfare situation. So he refuses to lie with his wife, and uh, he uh, is sent back to the front. And then David gives instructions to the, the head general to put Uriah in the next battle in the very front of the line, knowing that if that's the case, he will be killed, which in fact does happen. So in that sense, David is guilty of both uh, infidelity, uh, uh, lust, and now he's committed murder. And uh, as we know, the prophet uh, Nathan comes and confronts David, and uh, I don't have time to get into the wonderful story of how he does that confrontation, but uh, David now becomes convinced of his sin, and Psalm 51 is basically David's uh, cry out to the Lord uh, about his uh, sin. I, I know it's kind of a long passage I generally don't like to be read to, but I think today it's worthy of reading. So uh, this is what uh, David says. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. He's, He's getting into now recognizing that his rebellious nature is part of his original sin nature. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. So, you know, this is an act of confession. It's an act of recognizing his his weakness, his powerlessness, and uh, that he needs God. Then he goes on, for I was born a sinner. And that's what we were talking about earlier. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me, but you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there, which is an interesting thought. We could get into that, but that's a whole other thing. But the idea there is that we are born into a sinful nature, even in the womb. And, you know, other places there in the Bible, we know that God says, from the moment of my conception, you know, I have known you and that kind of thing. And that's what David is recognizing, but he's also recognizing that sin is possible, you know, even since the moment of conception. Oh, give me back my joy again. And uh, in terms of our question today about is there a cure as opposed to a management, I think uh, the main point here is that David uh, is not forgetting his sin. He's uh, accepting his sin. He's recognizing his sin. He's reaching out to God. He's got guilt and he's got a lot of shame but he's asking God to give him back his joy again. And I think that's something that we preach here all the time. Uh, One of the results of the workshop that I love the most is that the men leave here, I think, and they're smiling, they're laughing, 
they have, according to a research project that uh, Rick Underwood did here, uh, they're full of hope, and that's what David is asking for. Restore in me the joy that I have with you. Which is such a contrast, Mark, to the Thursday morning arrival uh, that's right. of these men. Right. These men walk through our front door on a Thursday morning yeah. uh, to start the workshop, and the guilt and shame is physically visible. Oh, that's right. You walk into that room, and it's... You could cut the tension with the knife. It's quiet. The men are looking down. They're not looking at each other. They're not talking to each other. You know, they're wondering what... Uh, other sex addicts look like they're wondering what they're going to uh, be thought about when they uh, maybe are forced to talk about their story and all that kind of thing. So, but when we leave, uh, it's all we can do to kick them out of here, you know, on uh, <laughs> Saturday. Anyway, let me let me uh, just go on, and we're almost to the end of this passage. Sure. Uh, Give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. And I think that's a key verse. It's like the brokenness of the original sin nature, the, the, the recognition of our powerlessness, the, that's an essential part of this. But David is saying, you know, still give me back my joy so that I may also rejoice. Rejoice in, you know, what, what God is capable of doing. Um, don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me, this is my favorite, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence. And this is the key. And don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Now, what I think we get to uh, when we're broken, when we're humbled, when we're, when we're um, uh, acknowledging our own weakness, our own sin nature, even though we, could, we say we, we cannot cure this disease. Uh, we cannot cure our original sin nature. We cannot cure sexual addiction. We can still get to a place of rejoicing. That's one of the main points that I wanted to make. We can still find our joy, uh, even in our story. We can find our joy even in our story. I think some of the listeners who have heard Debbie or read her book know that she would give rejoicing at the fact that we had this crash and burn because it's been that experience that has allowed us to find the true joy in our relationship. Now, but at the end of the verse, what I think is so key is that David is saying, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Even though I will always remember my sin, even though I will never put it entirely out of my mind, in other words, there's no cure, it's always in front of me. It's always there. It's always a possibility if I'm not true to my uh, faith and allegiance in God. But then he says, and, and don't take the Holy Spirit from me, meaning that the inspiration, the, the, uh, the influence, the direction, uh, the vision that God has for us, uh, don't take that away. Because it, with that, I can go on. There's, there's more to this chapter 51 that I can now become uh, a messenger of the joy of your salvation. And he's begging for God's forgiveness. He is. He actually is. You know, that's, that's what I was struck by. He was, yeah. he was turning to God and uh, um, admitting to all of his weakness and sinfulness and begging for him. At the same time, please don't cast me out of your kingdom. You know, yeah, um, right. I, 
please, please keep me connected to your, your grace. That's right. So one of the ways to look at this is here we are, we sit here today, 2,000, uh, 3,000 years later uh, from David, and here's a man who's committed adultery and murder, and yet his writing, his words, the words that are inspired by the Holy Spirit. So in other words, God did not take the Holy Spirit uh, from David. He never intended to. He left it with him. And it was out of that inspiration of the Holy Spirit that David was was able to write most of the book of Psalms. And we take great inspiration from those Psalms. Uh, most of us read one every day. You know, So that, to me, how powerful is the work of the Holy Spirit that 3,000 years later, we can still rejoice and be glad at and, and understand and be blessed by the words of an adulterer and a murderer. I mean, only God could do that. Right. You know? right. So anyway, I'm, I'm getting excited. No, well, you should be excited. Yeah. This is exciting news. This, yeah. All this does is um, confirm for us the power of, of, of the Bible and, and the words of Scripture, right. because lessons like this, if you take the time to read this on a daily basis, it's life-changing stuff. That's right. You know? So let me just reach out to the listeners for a minute because I'm excited. I'm in my preaching place, you know, and uh, we're not going to take an offering. Uh, oh, we're not? Oh, okay. oh shoot. Yeah, well, right. anyway. Uh, <laughs> put the baskets back. Okay. All right, put the baskets back. <laughs> the three offers for sending in a donation of, you know, no, we're not going to do any of that. But uh, I just want all of our listeners, particularly the husbands and wives listening, um, to know that. Can you imagine how angry, uh, by the way, David's wife uh, was about all of this. We never hear about her in the scripture again, which is interesting, but we certainly hear from David. So, uh, but, you know, wherever you're at in, you know, your own sense of self-condemnation, uh, your sense of guilt and shame, uh, let's never forget that we have this sinful nature. Let's always keep it in front of us. You know, let's not forget that we have this sin nature. And let us remember what God has done for us and that in that we can find great joy. We are, in fact, forgiven. He has forgotten it. He has put it away. He has blotted it out. And he has not taken the Holy Spirit from any of you, and he probably has a calling on your life unlike anything you could possibly imagine. You have been listening to Dr. Mark Laser. I am Randy Everett, your co-host, and we thank you for joining us today. We hope that today's message has been inspirational to you. Mark is is glowing. He is so inspired at the moment, which is a wonderful thing. Uh, we hope that this coming week is going to be a week that's filled with many blessings and with great vision. You've been listening to the Men of Valor program with Dr. Mark Laser. For information about this program or to learn more about Faithful and True, visit us at FaithfulandTrue.com. That's FaithfulandTrue.com.